Let's open up our Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 1. Let's read through chapter 1 together. You guys can read silently. I'll read. All right? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what must soon his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and who take it to heart, whatever is written, because the time is near. John, verse 4. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests and to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the people of the earth will mourn and wail because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, verse 9, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to part, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool and his as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then He placed his right hand on me. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the, leaven, are the seven churches. Any questions in your head? <laughs> Anything stick out, just right off the top, anybody? Seven. Anything else? Do we have an angel? <laughs> yeah. Angelos. 
not the lamb. This is a, a mighty, almighty uh, king. Yeah. Booyah, yeah. He's <laughs> going crazy. Yeah. Any confusion? So do you see why instantly your background, whatever your, whatever you, wherever you came from, however you interpret scriptures, could possibly be interpreted in different ways here? Not so cut and dry, is it? Not so easy. The revelation from Jesus Christ. So let's take it verse by verse really quickly. Well, kind of quickly. But the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servant what soon must take place. I recommend you take notes on the back of your uh, bulletin. That's the word. Is uh, are some lines and stuff. You can, you can keep doing that. First of all, it is the revelation. Not revelations. I know many of you go revelations. The word is singular in Greek. They're always singular. It's, I know you think because it's visions, but it's not. It's the revelation. And in other uh, scriptures, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, not from Jesus Christ. And so there's some differences there. But we get the word revelation from the word apocalypse. Uh, and uh, that just means the unveiling. So this is the unveiling. That God is unveiling something to us, like taking the wraps off a statue. So you can finally see what's been shrouded, what's been hidden. So it is the revelation or unveiling of Jesus Christ. And where did this revelation come from? From God, verse 1. And it was given to whom? To Jesus Christ. People jump right over that. It was given from God to Jesus Christ. And then, why was it given to Jesus? To show His servants what must soon take place. That is awesome. No longer do I call you servants, but you're my friends. I'm going to let you in on what's going on. That word friendship is interesting. Did you know God wants us to know what's going on in His plans? By very nature of being His disciples, if you look in the Old Testament, the prophets, they were His buddies. And they let, He let them know what was going on. He gave them special insight into future events and all these types of things, the ones who followed after him. And who are his buddies in the New Testament? The disciples. The disciples, he drew them near to him, and he revealed, as I call you my friends, and he began to show them and reveal them about the kingdom and to teach them things. And here he is with John, revealing his works. God for some reason, wants to reveal things to us. He wants us to be a part of it. He wants to know. He wants us to know about Him. He wants to know how He put all this together and all the crazy things that are happening. Isn't that exciting? That, and, and while it's confusing, I guarantee you that every single situation in here, I, the Old Testament is actually referenced 800 times in the book of Revelation. And so you can, you can, you can go back and see in the Old Testament, if you, if you don't have a good understanding of the Old Testament, Revelation is going to be kind of more of a difficult book for you, but we'll, we'll jump back and forth. But you can go back in the Old Testament, you can see how the Lord had been laying the framework for this all along. And so the Lord wants us to, He wants to reveal it to us. 
And where did this revelation come from? It came from God, and it was given to Jesus Christ to show us what soon must soon take place. And this phrase, what soon must take place, it can be interpreted, and basically it says what will take place in rapid succession when it happens. So it's not necessarily it's going to happen right, right now. It's happening quickly. It's saying when it happens, it's going to happen quickly. Does that make sense? So there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at that. So what will take place quickly, or when it begins, it will happen in rapid succession. Nevertheless, God desires to show His servants what's going to happen in the future. God wants to show us what's going to happen in the future. Guess what that's called? Prophecy. That's exciting. One of the ways that God's revealed Himself to us is through prophecy. Prophecy is awesome. I mean, we love to hear, you know, different things. Ooh, is this going to come to pass or not? It's exciting. You know, uh, a passage in, in uh, Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 8, gives us a good kind of definition of what prophecy is. And, and, and I'll read it for you. I, Isaiah 46, verse 8 says, Remember this, keep it in mind and take it to heart, you rebels. The Lord quoting, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, Remember the former things. Those of long ago, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. And then in verse 10 of Isaiah 46 says, I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. He tells you, he makes you know what was the end from the beginning. I say my purpose will stand and I will do it for this good pleasure. And in this case, he's telling them, from the east I summon a bird of prey and from, far off, from a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted. You who are now far from my righteousness. What would you say to a group that was stubborn hearted and far from your righteousness? What would you say to them? Get on him. This is this is what Lord says to him. He goes in verse thirteen. He says, "I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor." What grace to the stubborn-hearted, to those who are far away. He goes, "I'm bringing salvation to you. I love you. It's my plan, and it's going to come about. And just to let you know, I'm telling the end from the beginning." And so he lets these people know that he loves what's going to happen from the beginning to the end. And that's the main thing, one of the reasons why we know God is God. I mean, how many prophecies about Jesus have been fulfilled? And it's impossible for any of these guys to, 60 different authors, I mean, sorry, 66 different books, 40 different authors over 15, you know, 2,000 years, writing an amazing book put together that says the same thing all the way through. And they're all identifying with one another, not contradicting one another, and saying it different ways in three different languages on three different continents. And Jesus Christ is the central theme of this whole book, and it is amazing from the beginning to the end. And the revelation is, is, is through prophecy. God is prophesying through Isaiah to these Israelites in the verse I just, just parted, just told you about, telling the telling the end from the beginning. Now, real quickly, there's another part of prophecy that we don't really care much about, but it's actually the majority of prophecy. It's, it's foretelling. See, there's, there's foretelling, telling the future, but there's also foretelling. Telling you what's up. And Jesus is going to get into that when he gets into talking to the churches. He's going to tell them what's up and what's going to happen if they don't shape up. Right? And so we'll get that in just a minute. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, 
Jesus, to show his servants what must soon take place. Now, how did Jesus make it known? Following through in your scriptures, keep reading. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Notice, God gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the angel. The angel is giving it to John. One of the ways that God chooses to communicate with you and me is through angels. I know it's kind of strange. Uh, We have direct access to the throne room. Absolutely. But somehow I see in scriptures that somehow the other way it takes a little longer. You ever notice that? And we have some insights in there, but the word angelos, uh, angel in, in, in Greek is, is another word for messengers. Angels are the messengers of the Lord. And if you remember Daniel when he was praying, uh, it took a while, but uh, the angel Gabriel, it came, right? Bust, he said, hey, you know, I would have been there. The moment you, you prayed, the word was dispatched for me to come give you this message, but I was detained by the prince of Persia. I was held back by the prince of Persia. But Michael, the archangel, he came and he came with me and he broke me out. And, we, and I finally came to you now, 21 days later. And so there's this spiritual element going on. We see that God brings messages to Mary, to Joseph, to Zechariah. No doubt, angels, the ministering spirits to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so an, an angel is going to be a, a, a major source of revelation, a messenger. That's what angel means. It, it means messenger. To John here, he's relaying it to John. And yet there's also times in Revelation where you're going to see an elder speaking to him. Christ himself will be speaking. There's different situations in Revelation. So the, an angel is giving this revelation to John. He's a messenger. So... Uh, in verse, uh, verse 1.5, sorry, we're, we're kind of moving along here, aren't we? Jesus made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testified to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so John here is believed to be John the Apostle, one of the sons of thunder whom Jesus loved. Remember that? The author of the Gospel of John and First and Second, Third John and Revelation. One of the reasons is, is uh, why we kind of think that is, is, is because of a particular exchange between Peter and Jesus in John chapter 21. Let me read it to you. It says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus is speaking to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate what kind of death Peter was going to die by, right, and would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. I love Peter. He just gets restored. God speaks to him, and he goes, well, what about him? (laughs) This is why I love this. And he goes, uh, so anyways, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. And this is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked the Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? Very interesting verse there. But you must follow me. And because of this, the author of John, John, who was there, wrote this. And and he said, the rumor spread among the believers that disciple would not die. False interpretation of what Jesus had said. 
But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And this is the disciple who testified to these things and wrote them down. We know his testimony isn't true. So perhaps it is that John was the one who uh, saw Jesus uh, saw Jesus return. Now we're going to find out that that's actually in the Spirit. So give us, give us a second here. So in John, in verse 2, says, is the one who testifies. And that word testify means to record. He's recording what God is telling him. He's not embellishing in all these things. He's, he's, he's simply seeing what he sees, and he's writing it down. Everything he saw, that is the Word of God and the testimony of Christ. And John received the revelation through visions. Now, a vision is something, you know, we kind of veer away from these days, and uh, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Remember that when the Holy Spirit will come? A vision is insight into the spiritual world. We cannot see the spiritual realm right now. You cannot see it with our natural eyes. It's impossible, but the Lord can open our eyes to see it. Do you remember in 2 Kings chapter 6? What happened is Elisha is alive. Elisha is alive. And the king of Aram wanted to fight the king of Israel. But what happened is every time he wanted to go attack him in a certain place, Elisha kept telling him. He said, hey, don't go down that way because you're going to get taken out. That king's over there. And so it got to the place where every time that would happen, and this other king who wanted to attack Israel got ticked off, and he got his commanders together and said, well, which one of you is on the other side? Which one of you is giving away all this information? They go, none of us, but there's this guy, this man of God in Israel named Elisha, and he keep, he's a prophet of God, and he keeps telling everybody. He goes, where is he? Well, he's in this Demothium or wherever the city is. And so they go to attack him, and they, and they, and they end up getting at this place. The, in, in the middle of the night, they surround the city where he is. And early in the next morning, Elisha and his servant wake up, and the servant looks, and he goes, oh my gosh, we're surrounded by Syrians. What's going to happen? And, and Elisha's like, Lord... Uh, you know, we're, we're fine. God's with us. I mean, Lord, there's more who are with us than are with them. And he's like, yeah, right. Look at this place. We're, we're messed up. And so he goes, Lord, he prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes. And the Lord opened his eyes. And he saw chariots of fire and these amazing, these horses and all these things, surrounding them, outnumbering the enemy. So the angels of God, the, the, the army of God was in there protecting their eyes. His eyes were open to the spiritual realm, which is around us. We cannot see it. And one of the, the greatest tactics of the enemy is to make us believe it. it's not real. Remember that uh, Chief Shoefoot thing I, I gave you guys? Did anybody ever listen to that? That's actually on our, on our website. Chief Shoefoot, and I'm going to have to end on this point. Um, Chief Shoefoot is the shaman down in South America. And he uh, was brought up to Las Vegas to, to do a, uh, an interview. And in this interview, as through Focus on the Family, is pretty interesting. Um, he's going through his translator's missionary. Basically, uh, he was a shaman, he, and he used to blow drugs up his nose, and he would see demons and all these types of things down there. And eventually, the great spirit came and rescued him. It's an amazing story. You've got you to check it out. It's online. I have the link under, under resources, okay? Um, but at the end of this whole situation, he's talking about these spirits that used to come in and dwell in him and fill him. 
And he goes, you know what? You guys have Halloween right now. And this is several years ago. He's all, you have Halloween right now. He says, these things that your children are putting on, he's all, these are the same things that were filling me. He's all, these are the same visions. And this guy was separated from our culture and all this type of stuff. And he would talk about it. But the greatest tactic of the enemy is to make us think that there isn't a spiritual world. There isn't a spiritual battle. There's nothing going on. That this is life, breathing in and out. And it's not. And Jesus wants to wake us up again. Wake us up to the fact that there's a real battle for, for souls in this room. There's a real battle for people out there. There's a real war going on. And our participation in it is essential. And when, when our eyes are open to these things, we, we realize that these things that the Lord calls us to, you know, the study of the Word of God and the spiritual implications that has it, and the fortification of your soul and the defense and the helmet and all these types of things are, are, are things that are essential for our walk as Christians. If we don't have them, this spiritual world will influence us. We will get knocked down. We will get hurt. We need to fortify ourselves in the things that God has given us, things that look weak to man, why do I want to go to a prayer meeting? Why do I want to go to Sunday morning? Why do I even want to worship? I don't feel like worshiping. You know what I mean? But these things, as we do them, God somehow in His plan comes and meets us and He fortifies us and He encourages our hearts. And we begin to engage in this spiritual realm that is all around us. And, and He, uh, John, is given this revelation into the spiritual realm. And, and that is what we're going to kind of focus on here uh, coming up. But I have to stop there, and it's going to get crazy. And I will finish chapter 1 next time. All right? Lord, just like your servant Elisha prayed, will you open our eyes that we would see things how they really are? Quicken your church, Lord. Quicken me, Lord. Help us to see the way that you want us to see. Help us to understand. Lord, you said your spirit would give us understanding when he came. And he's here with us and he's among us. Give us wisdom, Lord, from your throne. Change us, Lord. Change our priorities. We love you, Lord God. Be with these families this week. Give them strength in their souls, Lord. Give them wisdom. Give them boldness, Lord. Give them ground this week. Open their eyes, Lord. Open our eyes up to the things that you have for us. Lord, help us to recognize that the worries in our hearts are spiritual struggles. And you've given us the spiritual tools if we'd only lay hold of them. In the name of Jesus, amen.